Hello everyone, welcome back to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coombs. So if you're turning in to this program right now, I'm here with uh, the two pastors from Ministry to Muslims, Pastor George Saig and Pastor Eddie Guerrero, um, and with Reverend Jeff Cran of Zionsbanner.org Ministry. We're going to be covering about Islam today. So the topic we're going to be discussing in this episode is going to be what it, about salvation. There's a lot of misconceptions so far about the salvation of Islam and Christianity. How on earth uh, do we tell the difference between the two? How do you become saved as a Christian? You know, I've talked about it multiple times if you listen to the podcast. But now let's dive into how on earth is a Muslim supposed to be saved in Islam? So, I would like to uh, <laughs> say that we our our main job as Christians is to present the gospel to Muslims. We want to see them. That's the ultimate thing that we want to see them coming to know Jesus as a Lord and Savior. Um, and Muslims think if uh, Christians can be saved by Jesus' work on the cross, they think that they also Muhammad can save mankind. They always say, "Oh, we can be saved in Islam," uh, but really, it, the reality is in the teaching of Islam, there's no assurance of salvation at all. There's absolutely no one. There, there's ten being promised paradise, but clearly at their death, they're showing us that they have no guarantee to be in heaven as a mentioned before and as a show that uh, Abu Bakr, the first successor, when he was dying, even though he was promised paradise, he said, if one of my feet in heaven went out of heaven, I would not trust the deception of Allah. Uh, it doesn't seem like someone excited and, and, and received that uh, assurance of salvation. Um, in Islam, there's no logic. There's no one can say really 100% if you did, did this and this and this and that, you will be safe. I remember one time we went to a mosque in Seattle and uh, the Imam asked us to come inside and we asked for equal opportunity to talk and and uh, we agreed and as we walking following him inside the mosque and uh, he turned around and he said if you, if I convince you would you become a Muslim and we told him absolutely and he was excited about that we went inside we were like around 20 Christians and there was around 25 30 Muslims inside the mosque and we sat down uh, we give him as the imam of the mosque, we give him the first 10 minutes. He, he spent his 10 minutes attacking Jesus' deity, the Jesus' crucifixion. But when it comes to our turn, we told him, look, the most important topic for us, you ask us if uh, uh, if you convince us we'll convert to Islam. We absolutely agree to that. But the most important for us is to guarantee heaven. Can you guarantee heaven in Islam? But let me tell you, and we in Christianity, we have assurance of salvation. We gave the gospel message. Simply, we gave the the Romans wrote uh, the three uh, famous passages in the book of uh, Romans. Uh, I'm going to ask Eddie if to present. This is a great way of presenting the gospel message to anyone. Uh, you should not, as a Christian, have any excuse to say, oh, I don't know how to do evangelism. This is just let God's word speak. It's a very powerful for verses from the Word of God. Go ahead, Eddie. Well, um, there are, many of us are going to be familiar with these verses. Speaking of the Romans road, you have Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Again, you you, you need to show them, uh, as I, I like, as the way Ray Comfort uses, he uses the conscience to bring about the knowledge of sin. Uh, you got Romans 3.10, for as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, that no one is can stand before God and say that I'm righteous and that I have I have done, uh, I've met the requirements completely and wholly to, to be able to enter into paradise. 
Uh, Romans 5.12, Wherefore is one man entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, so that all have sinned. Again, there's, there's just showing, again, that each person is without excuse. They can't come to, to God and say, I did not know, and that um, I'm able to be able to pay for my own sins. Uh, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, showing that the, that the wages or payment for that sin is death, but that he gives us that way of being able to enter in um, life through Jesus Christ. Because in Romans 5, 8, it says, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Again, that someone's paid that sin debt. Um, and then going into Romans 10, 9 through 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth in the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then going into verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Again, showing, going, and starting from that sin that is upon all men, that we can't pay that sin debt, that someone came and paid that fine for us, and that God can commute our death sentence and let us go. And that is the, that is the salvation path, uh, to use the lack of a better term, for Christians. Uh, did you want me to go into the whole thing with Islam? Um, many Muslims will say, well, I've got a, an angel on my right shoulder and an angel on my left shoulder, and they're both writing down my good deeds and my bad deeds, and uh, this is speaking into Roman Catholicism, also in the sense that if I do enough good things, uh, more than my bad things, and on the day of judgment, God's going to grade on the curve and say, well, you know what, you, you did more good than you did bad, come on into paradise or to heaven. And that's the way most Muslims will look at it, and actually the Quran even teaches that, um, and as we can go into further there, that you can see the stark contrast, as we were talking to in the first podcast, the differences between Christianity and Islam. Yes, uh, and, and that Imam, when we give that gospel message, he came back and he said, uh, there are liars, those that they say that right. we in Islam there's no way of salvation. And he said, uh, in Islam there's six things, six things that if you do, you're going to heaven. Right. And he gave us five and he told us that he forgot number six. Imagine you are a pastor of a church and you know that your religion telling you there's six things to do and you forgot one. That's mean you are not even doing it. Uh, it's it's I, I know he was not truthful when he said that. I know exactly what number six is. Even though he mentioned uh, the shihada, the confession of faith, and uh, the last passage that uh, Pastor Eddie mentioned now is our confession of faith. If you confess with your tongue and believe in your heart, that that's our confession of faith. But the confession of faith in Islam to say no God but Allah and Muhammad, His Prophet. Uh, the second one is prayers to pray five times a day. Uh, there's also Sawam, which is uh, fasting, to fast during the months of Ramadan from sunrise to sunset. No water, no food, nothing from morning to night. And also there's pilgrimage one time in your life, uh, if you are able to, if you are able to afford it. Uh, but it's not doable. Uh, pilgrimage today to, to know there's over 1.5 billion Muslims in the world and that place it have to be done in a certain time of the year if you calculate it it's impossible for every Muslim to have that opportunity even if they can afford it to, to be able to come and, uh, and do pilgrimage uh, number uh, uh, the other one is uh, number five is uh, zakat is uh, tax 
uh, that Muslims pay, 2.5%, I believe. Um, now, uh, you need to remember the word uh, tax is zakat, not jizya, because what they make Christians and Jews pay jizya is protection money. It's not zakat like what they claim. But number six is jihad, to die in the sake of Allah. If you did the first five, you're absolutely not guaranteeing anything. But if you do number six, is jihad. He, the imam, he was trying to be polite. He doesn't want to tell us in front of our face, we are his guests in the mosque, that uh, we, we, the only way for him to be safe if he killed us. Uh, but uh, jihad is the only way for salvation, according to Islam, if you die killing others. And the fact is, even Muhammad, he said the story about this lady. She have seven boys. She sent the first one and he died in jihad. And she sent this, and she never cried. She sent the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. And they all died. She never cried once. Even when she sent number six, he did, she did not cry. But when she sent number seven and he died, she started crying. And all the people, they thought, oh, do you love him more than the rest? She said, no, I'm crying because I have no more children to send to die for Allah. And uh, Muhammad, his main desire, he say, if I, I die for the, in jihad and I come back to life and die in jihad and come back to life and die in jihad, that's his main desire is to die for jihad. Because jihad is the only way to be saved and also it can bring some kippahs for family members to, uh, to enter paradise as well. Yeah. Uh, but let's see if really Islam teaches that you can be you can guarantee heaven. Uh, Eddie, would you please uh, sure. read uh, passages from uh, chapter 72, verse uh, 21? It says, Say, O Muhammad, lo, I control not hurt nor benefit for you. Also, seven, uh, chapter 7 of the Quran, uh, verse 188. It basically states the same message that the Prophet of Islam has no power to hurt or help anybody, neither can he save himself from the judgment of God. Uh, Surah 26 or chapter 26 to 14 and warn your nearest kindred we see that Muhammad was commanded to warn his relatives to understand this verse let us look at the following hadith hadith is the things that Muhammad said not the Quran is supposed to be revealed by God but the hadith is what Muhammad reporting things that Muhammad said okay. Abu Huraira I know this is gonna be a difficult name for you to pronounce All right thank you. <laughs> said and warn your nearest kindred was revealed the messenger of Allah called his tribe so they gathered and he gave them general warning then he said O Fatima his daughter rescue yourself from hellfire for I have no power to protect you from Allah in anything except this that I will sustain relationship with you ask me whatever you like but I cannot avail you at all against Allah the purpose of that verse to warn his uh, relatives is to show that Muhammad, he had no way to save them from hellfire. Uh, we can also continue here. Uh, and there's another uh, hadith, Hadith Bukhari, volume uh, 8, Hadith 407. Uh, uh, Go ahead, narrated, uh, Abu Musa. The prophet used to call upon Allah saying, Oh my Lord, forgive my sins and my and remember, ignorance. Realize here, this is Muhammad praying. This is Muhammad, their prophet praying. Go ahead. Forgive my sins and my ignorance and my exceeding the, lim the limits, boundaries of righteousness in my deeds. And what do you know? And what you know better than I? Oh Allah, forgive my mistakes. Those done intentionally or out of my ignorance or without, without seriousness. And I confess that all such mistakes are done by me. O oh Allah, forgive my sins of the past and the future, which I did openly or secretly. 
You are the one that makes things go before, and you are the one who delays them, and you are the only omnipotent. On, according to the hadith, Muhammad used to pray this prayer 70 times a day, admitting all his sins that he did attentionly, non-attentionly. But um, let's see also here in, uh, uh, th this is a really important story. There's this lady, she was taking care of this old man and he died. And she was a witness, this man is a very good guy. And uh, Muhammad came to the memorial service, let's say, and he heard her saying things like, uh, uh, I bear witness that Allah has honored you, that the per she was speaking about the person that he just died. And Muhammad stopped her. He told her, I am the apostle of Allah, and yet I don't know what Allah will do to me. That, that's in Hadith uh, Bukhari, is the most authentic and most reliable Hadith set. Volume 5, Hadith number 266. He made it clear that even though he is the apostle of Allah, I don't know what Allah will do to me. There's absolutely, even Muhammad himself, he has no guarantee to be in heaven. But we hear the salvation message. You can point, you have, have these passages ready when you're talking to Muslims, but always in the end, after giving them this bad news, giving them the good news. And that day, the Imam could not answer us. And we had their people at the mosque to bring the hadith and to open it and to read it. After that, the Imam walked out of the, that room and he allowed us to share the gospel without interruptions for half an hour inside the mosque. It was, it was just awesome, that opening a door for us. Uh, the gospel message, what they need to hear. In Islam, and my prayer always, that God will reveal to Muslims and show them, even the Imams and leaders, as they're studying the Quran, to see there's no hope in Islam. Now, what is salvation? What, what, what can... What really the essential, uh, Reverend uh, Jeff, uh, what is the essential things to be saved? What walls that we cannot pass or what is the fence? The fence. Uh, uh, we know that salvation is by faith through grace. Uh, by faith is real important. Okay, that is, is really a key thing. Um, similar experience with having a local mosque come to a speaking that I was doing. We held it at a public library. Uh, and uh, one of the guys was furious that I could know where I was going when I died. Uh, and we don't believe that we can build a stairway to heaven to borrow from an old rock song. Uh, we believe that justification is by faith, by trust, by belief in what God has done. Right. Um, and so that's really a, a key when we're talking about salvation. By the way, it's interesting to me that a Muslim can say that they believe in Torah and the prophets. Uh, you can't read the prophets without seeing justification by faith. Uh, they have the Romans road. I have something called the Jerusalem road. You could call it something else. But it's the same points, but it's out of the Old Testament. Wow. Uh, Genesis 15, 6, and Abraham believed God and it was, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Habakkuk 2, 4, and the just shall live by faith. The word just there is the righteous one. So righteousness is by faith. Um, in fact, that's contrasted with the one who tries to work their way. And it says, as for the proud, his soul is not right within him. So we believe that trust in what God has done uh, is the way of salvation. Really, everything else is really a self-righteous pride game. It kind of sounds that way. It sounds more like Islam is premised on the idea of, I'm going to do a lot of good works, 
and I'm going to hope that my good works outweigh my bad works, which is really what a large majority, actually I should say all religion except for Christianity teaches, that if your works, if your good works outweigh your bad works, then, as you were pointing out, um, uh, Eddie, that God will say, well, you know what, you're a pretty decent guy, you're a pretty right. decent gal, you know, I mean, you got some problems, whatever, we can just throw that aside. But then when you dive into Islam, George, as you were pointing out, there is no actual assurance of getting into heaven whatsoever. It's more like you're flipping the coin in the air, you're catching it, smacking your hand, look down, and you're just praying that you got heads. <laughs> there is a story that every time we had a mosque tour, they are so proud of the story they tell us all the time about it. Mm -hmm. About the man that he killed 99 people and he went to the leader of that tribe and he told him I killed 99 people and if I repented would Allah forgive me and the guy he told him no he went and killed him too become 100 people he went to the next tribe or the next city and he asked the next leader he told him look I killed 99 people and I went and asked the leader of my tribe and I asked him if I repented would Allah forgive me and he said no I killed him now I'm asking you if if I repented would Allah forgive me the guy he knew if he said no he would be killed too <laughs> what he did he took he gave him a name of a city far away to get rid of him he said if you arrive to that city if you travel now and arrive to that city and he died there you will be forgiven just to get him out of his way and as he's walking to that city he died in in the way going there now two angels came fighting for him one one to take him to heaven one one to take him to hell they fought and then they had to go to Allah and ask him where should we take him heaven or hell Allah told them to measure the ground where he was and where he died and where from where he died to where he was gonna go if he died closer to that you remember that guy he was just lying to him now Allah made it serious business he turned it to facts uh, that if he died closer to that city where he was going he would be forgiven but as the angels went to measure the ground, like Allah could not know how far he is, uh, when, he, when they went to measure the ground, Allah shrank the earth to make him closer to the city where he was going to go for him to enter paradise. It's completely up to Allah. That's the point they want to get us. It's completely up to Allah. You can be deserving hell. You can be never repented. You can do all the sins in the world, but Allah can decide to take you to heaven. Or you can be deserving to enter heaven like uh, being promised by Allah like Abu Bakr the first successor and that's why he doesn't trust Allah because maybe still Allah will change his mind and take you to hell it, it, it is really trouble so this is like going off to the uh, casino and do playing craps or something like that you're taking it you're just you, you, said, you said it perfectly good because I tell, <laughs> always, I tell all those Muslims that you gamble because they have for gambling is forbidden with them uh, for them in Islam gambling is forbidden I don't know you are you gamble you think heaven by luck you think heaven you gamble with your life right I don't, go to the liquor store and see how lucky you are first before you gamble with your entire eternity to throw yourself in this hell. really sounds so much more like Islam is <clears throat> I mean it seems like the only reasonable way to get into heaven and even even that reasonable way of doing jihad of, of killing yourself like in the Middle East when you see the terrorism that's going on where they blow themselves up that doesn't even seem to be a promise at all. It's still, well, I'll let you go, well, you didn't detonate the vest quite as hard or you pressed down the button hard enough that I thought it was okay. 
So at the end of the day with Islam, it's again, it's a coin toss. You just now that's that's mm-hmm. very important because mm-hmm. George is bringing up at a point that you're that the assurance that the Christian has is a, a powerful tool. Exactly. When dealing with Muslims, because you know, you know, I haven't asked this, and and I probably will get the chance to go out with George. One of the questions I have for a Muslim is why should I, uh, why should I trade the assurance I have in God and in the gospel? For the uncertainty that you're offering me in Islam, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Why That's, should I trade? And if you take it on a financial perspective, it's no different. Like we were talking about the gambling. Why should I trade my assurance of a job that is guaranteed to me that my boss says he's not going to give up and I'm going to get a paycheck every single week for going to the going to a casino and throwing down all my money and praying that when I play poker or I shoot craps or I do do whatever game I'm doing that I'm going to end up a whole heck of a lot better than I'm doing right now. It seems far more, and, and money is just something like it comes and goes, but you're right, George, about the whole entire salvation thing. This is much, much bigger. And to be premising our entire trust on a coin toss that maybe you might get in, maybe you not, that seems to be terrifying. So it's sort of worse than a work system. Mm-hmm. Because in a work system, I can kind of fool myself that I've tipped the scales the right way. That's true. But but in Islam, it's really a fiat decision of Allah at the last moment that your your works don't even guarantee. Not that they could, but but not only don't they guarantee, they don't even give you a pretty good shot. You're not talking about grading on a curve. You're talking about the professor shooting a coin in the air, and if it comes up heads, you pass, and if it comes up tails, you fail. And that's also assuming that the pastor, or I mean the professor, when if it lands on heads, decides, well, that's good enough for me. You could turn around, the professor can go, you know what? Yeah, it lands on heads, but you know what? I'm just, I had Taco Bell today. I don't feel too hot. And, you know, I had an argument with my wife and screw this. You're not going to make it. You're not going to pass the class. And that's really what it comes down to is just the, there's no assurance. There is Allah likes you or he doesn't like you and he has mood swings. I'm going and going, this is absolutely terrifying to me. Because, I mean, if you're in that position as a Muslim and you're you're praying to God that you're going to make it into heaven, you're doing all you can, your works are, we already know, are complete failures. It doesn't matter. But now it's, you can't even be sure that everything you've done That's in your That's why life, the head of the mosque was so angry when I said I could know where I was going. <laughs> he was terribly frustrated. <laughs> so, <laughs> so absolutely frustrated. Now, what he did is he turned to the book of James, which he seemed to like a little, and he then said, you know, faith without works is dead. So what you get in return is, well, what, you don't have to do anything? Uh, and, and so that's the counter charge. Yeah, but I could still go back with the argument with him of going, it doesn't, even faith without works is dead. That's true. But you still have to struggle intellectually, even spiritually, with the whole con- uh, concept of, okay, you showed a lot of faith through your works. You showed, you went off and you did like the Mormons do or Jehovah's Witnesses do. You went knocking on doors or whatever you did. But at the end of the day, it still boils down to the whole argument of, is does Allah like, Allah like you at all? You can do, you can pray 10 times a day. You can pray 100 times a day. You can go yeah. give alms to the poor. You can do all the five pillars of Islam. You can be the right. best person you can. But if Allah just simply goes, you know what? I don't like your deodorant at the end of the day or whatever it may be, you're out. I mean, I'm just using Well, they're also being inconsistent because they recite the shahadi. Mm -hmm. And the shahadi is a a statement of creed. 
Well, if what you believe doesn't matter, why are you bothering with a statement of creed at all? It's only what you do. So what you believe doesn't matter, so you're inconsistent in placing a creed as being important if what you believe doesn't count anyhow. You have a valid point. But the thing also we need to emphasize is sin. Sin in Islam, they take it very lightly. Even though Islam teaches the story of Adam, how one sin caused Adam to leave the presence of God, which we need to point to, they don't. They they reject the idea of the original sin that we inherit. That uh, uh, there's corruption happened to us. That we are seeking sin in a state of righteousness. Uh, I usually use this story, uh, an example. I will tell. Uh, I will tell them. Look, if with my hand. I slapped, let's say, Eddie, and he's a homeless man. He may slap me back. He may let me go. And let's say I slapped you with the same hand, and you're a police officer. You may gonna give me a ticket, or you may gonna throw me in jail. And let's say I, I, I slapped, uh, let's say Jeff is the the king of Saudi Arabia, and I slapped him with the same hand. I would be killed. Why I'm receiving different punishment, even though it's the same hand, the same action, because right. I'm sinning against a greater being. When God is eternal God and I sin one sin, which we've seen with Adam, the punishment is eternal. Uh, one sin, God say, don't eat an, a fruit and you eat it. It costs Adam out. What's the big deal of eating a fruit? That's not the eating the fruit action, it's disobeying God. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago, a Muslim asked me, uh, and he wanted me to say that Muslims are honoring Jesus. He said, who, who as a religion? Which the most religion that honor Jesus? He wanted me to say Islam. At the time, I want to ask you a question. If Jesus is God, if Jesus is God and you call him only a prophet, are you honoring him or dishonoring him? And he answered dishonoring him. Uh, that's the fact is that we need to show them it's not about how big your sin is. It's about whom you are disobeying. And if this God told you, just like during the time of Noah, mm -hmm. they believe in the story of Noah, they believe in the ark, that God, I, because they say we love Jesus. I told him, imagine, uh, do you love Noah as well? They say, yes. I told him, imagine Noah's ark is right here and Noah up there and he calling you, come in and you shouting to him back, we love you Noah, we love you Noah, but you did not enter the ark. What can happen? They will say we be perished. Today, that was God's way. It was only one way for salvation is to enter that ark or to die. And it was funny. People laughed at it. Why you have to build an ark in the dry land? But it was only the only way, and it's God's way. Today, there's a God, only one way, and it's God's way, and maybe laughable by man that God have to become a man and die on that cross for your sins. Uh, but the fact is, that's the only way for salvation. Eddie, mm -hmm. you have something to share? Well, I was just going to say that you know, in Nabil Qureshi's book, he wrote he wrote about the difference in, in this <coughs> isn't just with Muslims, but in the way the world views sin is it's doing something wrong. He said, but sin is like this. He said, you reject the sustainer of life. It's like taking a sledgehammer to a mirror. It shatters it. You can't unshatter the mirror by right. your good works. And that's the, that's the thing that not only Muslims, but we, uh, atheists, anyone that you go to and you talk to them about the sustainer of life and about the giver of life is that mm -hmm. he offers to unshatter your mirror. And, and it's only through that can, can you... Gain salvation. By the way, I, I like that image because you know uh, we're we're created to reflect Him, and I don't know how that works for for Islam, but but the reality is you're supposed to glorify God. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. you know, um, and so if what do you do? I had somebody object to hell, 
And instead of a question, if you have a TV set that's totally smashed and you can't use it anymore, where do you bring it? He said, to the dump. I said, oh, well, God's got a cosmic dump. <laughs> where, where he takes the things that are so broken uh, that they cannot be used for the purpose he created them. And these things can be repaired, but they refuse the restoration. Mm -hmm. Where else can he take them but to the giant cosmic dump? Yeah, that's true. And I and I remember slightly off topic here, I was listening to Dr. Frank Turk and he was talking about this and there was an atheist came up and said, My mother was a Jew and she rejected Jesus and <clears throat> and is she in hell? And he goes, Well, did she want to go to heaven? And it's one of those things as well that when you talk about that, about the T V that does that some people don't want to be restored is there are some people who do not want to go to heaven, and like Christopher Hitchens would say. And so, kind of goes on to illustrating that point. But uh, I digress on that one. Yeah. But I think the ultimate thing is, what we're seeing here is, with Islam, with the salvation of it, that Islam provides, and what Christianity provides, is Islam does not provide any real salvation. It no. is a giant lie. It is a... It is a uh, it's going to the casino and gambling on your all your money. In fact, you have more luck gambling all your money at a casino than having inheritance of the kingdom of God with Islam. Mm -hmm. But in Christianity, we do have the we, we do have an insurance that we're going to heaven. We do through John three sixteen have that promise that if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will inherit the kingdom of God. That it, you are guaranteed um, eternal life. I didn't know if you guys wanted to add anything extra more to this. I have a question. How many Old Testament prophets or folks like Abraham didn't know they were having a relationship with God when they had it? None. 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 In other words, if you are right with God, you shouldn't be a coin toss. You should know it. And if you don't know it, there's a problem. You got a point. Uh, Eddie. Some Muslims may be going to be listening to this uh, show. Mm -hmm. uh, I see you using the way of the master mm -hmm. message. Mm -hmm. What uh, can you just do that? Sure. Um, <laughs> well, you know, many people may be familiar with it, and they, you know, they call it way of the master. It's just a way that, again, as Paul said, I have not known sin but by the law. And it was a schoolmaster that drove me to Christ. When you come upon a person who's unrepentant. And you can use this with really just about anyone who uh, claims that uh, there is no God or they have a different God is just bringing about the knowledge of sin. And you let this conscience do the, or the Holy Spirit speak to the conscience instead of going to the place of intellect, trying to arguing about evolution, whether God really exists or not. You go to that place of conscience to where the Holy Spirit speaks to the heart and say, you know, well, well, as the Bible says, each man will proclaim his own goodness. And what you do is you bring about the knowledge of sin by saying, well, how many lies have you ever told in your life? If I were to tell you a lie, what would you call me? Well, a liar. How many, have you ever stolen something in your life? Um, you know, most people are, again, are going to say that, well, I stole something when I was younger, a paper clip from work. Well, time doesn't forgive sin. And no matter the, the size of it or the scope of it, it's still... Uh, you're still being a thief. Uh, Jesus said, if you look with lust upon a woman, you've committed adultery already in your heart. So what it goes from, and what Jesus is doing there is he's showing you it's not just about the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. If mm -hmm. you say it, you've done it. If you think it or desire it, you've done it. 
James says, if you try to keep the whole law but offended one point, you, you've broken it all. So even if you've kept nine of the Ten Commandments, guess what? That three quarters that you did of good deeds, that one bad deed that you did, you just broke the entire law. Um, you know, you, you, you refer to the Shahad where, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. You know, and it's just the whole thing of, again, you have to look at it from that stepping back in a bigger picture, looking at it. It's like when you, when you look at it say, well, I'm a lying, thieving, adulterous fornicator at heart, and I have to face God on Judgment Day. And if, if he were to judge me by that standard, would I be innocent or guilty? Well, um, again, your conscience is, is going to be going off like a, like a diving bell on a submarine going, rah, rah, yeah, guilty, guilty, guilty. Most people are going, yeah. I've done at least one of those things. Well, guess what, Bucko? Guess what? If God, were, if you were to die right now in your sins and stand before God, and He were to give you judgment, uh, you'd end up in hell. Mm -hmm. You know. And then you say, "Well, does that concern you?" Well, if someone has is at least in their right mind, they're just going to say, "Yeah, well, that does concern me." Well, do you know what God did for you? So you're like a doctor. You're giving the diagnosis. You're saying, "Here's." Here's the problem. Here's the sin debt that you've created. Here's the shattered mirror in front of you. And that law is like that mirror and it's reflecting. And, and it doesn't feel good when you get up in the morning, you've got bad head and bad breath and, and whatever else going on. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're going like, I don't look so good. I need to go take a shower and clean up. And God's going like, okay, keep, keep doing that. Keep, keep trying to clean yourself up. But guess what? Tomorrow you're going to be back in that same state. Mm -hmm. So what he does is, the doctor's giving you diagnosis. He's telling you you've got this terminal disease, and he's going to, but guess what? I've got good news for you. And what you've done is you've taken the good news, and you've made it good news by the mere fact of going and showing them in their state and what they need. And you say, do you know what God did for you so you wouldn't have to go to hell or that you could go live with him in paradise? Mm -hmm. And some people are going to say no. We'll say, well, God sent his son. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. Life. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. He rose again. He said, "If you believe and trust and hope in, in me, you will have eternal life." Now, most people are going to say, "Well, I believe in God." Well, belief doesn't necessitate a relationship, as as Reverend Jeff was saying a little while ago. Trust is like this. Let's say you're flying on a plane, and the stewardess comes to you, and he says, "George." This plane is at 10,000 feet. We're about to go down. Here's your parachute. Well, George isn't just going to sit there and look at that parachute and go, well, I believe that parachute's going to save my life. To be able for that parachute to save his life, he's going to have to put it on. And we're told in the scriptures to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that when you do jump out of that plane, that parachute is what saves you. And all you're doing is just hanging there. The only thing you do is, is put your trust in that parachute. It's the same way when God says, put your trust and hope in me so that when you do jump out of that plane, I'm the one that, that catches you. I'm the one that puts you safely on the ground, not your good works. I think you make a really good point on that. So basically, gentlemen, I think that's a pretty good wrap on all this. So if you're <clears throat> just listening to this episode or you listened to last episode, moving on to this one, I really just want to summarize this up. If you guys know anyone who's a Muslim, you're Muslim yourself, realize that Islam is completely bankrupt. That ultimately when you study the Quran and you study the holy books of Islam, that you can come to the same conclusion that you have no hope in Islam whatsoever. And that's really a coin toss at the end of the day, no matter what you do. But you can have assurance of eternal salvation and a hope for the future in Jesus Christ. So 
Until next time we meet again, may God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.